0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, and we were talking about verse number 2 last week. We left off there. This is the third in a disciplined race for vessels, and we read verse 1 and verse 2, and uh, I have commentary on the entire chapter. There's no way we're getting through it. As you can tell, we're about a one verse of service. So, and that's even 45 minutes there. But um, we're talking about uh, the discipline of the Lord, and we've made this statement. When you think of discipline, don't think of abuse. You know, there's, it's the the statement stands true. As long as we live here, we're going to fight for balance, in everything um you can have you know like when it comes to government things you have some christians that are like yeah let's just overthrow everything and you know let's have a revolution like we did in the beginning but you realize in the beginning of the nation that we left We, we didn't overthrow what was there we left to somewhere else okay we didn't go i mean Okay, so the, the first inclination, even though our nation was founded, and we know this, and our freedom was founded by Scripture and the Bible, the, reform, the Reformers started it. So uh, if, you ever, if you like history and you like to read and, and find out why things kind of took place, these aren't exact reasons, but they give you kind of information on why we ended up where we are. Um, there's a book by Robert Slardin called The Roaring Reformers. It's, it's God's generals. He has several of these books, and one's called The Roaring Reformers. And if you think church, some pastors are tough and ministers are tough today, read that book. You want to read about a tough guy, read about John Knox. I mean, that's my bloodline so because he's Scottish. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, the Catholic Church is... I mean, they did a lot of slaughtering in that day because they were so ingrained with the government. There was so much sin going on, and then judgment just comes. But they, uh, uh, under some of those reformers, some of the things that happened to the Catholic Church, it it got, it got itself taken, taken taken out, uh, in a lot of areas. Now, ultimately, the church and and those groups did get some freedoms, but they ultimately had to leave, and that's how the whole thing with America and all of that. At least initially started rolling Is because they wanted the freedom to have the word of god so That when we think of us as obedient children, (laughs) okay? Um, you know, we're not talking about perfection and obedience, but those that have a desire wholehearted to serve god There's still discipline involved in that And a lot of times believers don't like the word discipline because they think especially, uh when, when God will emphasize a particular point, okay? So what do you mean by that, Sean? Okay, God emphasized faith through Brother Hagen and others, but really started with him in, in, in the United States for years, and it's still there. Do you know what faith, if, if, if there isn't teaching on other things, faith can turn into legalism. It can actually turn into works, uh, it, what I mean by that is works in trying to earn something So then what does god do? He has to raise up and he does he, he, this happens Generation after generation If you if you if you study the history of the church at all, you'll see this It happens over and over and over and our tendency as humans Is to actually take what the lord emphasizes and make it the thing which is what uh, we I I find it here, just in in a church setting like this, or in talking to other ministers and things, or just watching the body of Christ in general overall. Like there's a, been a strong emphasis in the last several years about prophecy and the prophetic office, and so we you have people go, oh, every church needs a prophet in it to be a proper church. No, they don't. No, they don't. People say, well, if you're going to have a proper church, you need an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. No, they don't. Now, overall, the church? Yes. Do you notice when Paul planted churches, he appointed elders? He didn't appoint apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Okay? He appointed overseers, which are pastors in general. I mean, the offices can connect. And you can have all of of those offices in a church. But that doesn't make it any more of a a church than a church who has some pastors with some teaching gifts that flow in the gifts of the Holy Ghost but don't stand in those offices. And so we have to keep that in mind because when you talk about discipline, when you talk about any subject, it's not the subject. God may have you on love, but there are other scriptures that talk about other things. So you just got to be careful with that. Uh, I'll put it to you like this. Let me go back to what I was saying just a second ago about faith. God raised up ministers to teach on grace. And I've heard people say, uh, make statements like they have to me, because of uh, like Andrew Womack Ministries, Karis, that, Kylie's going down there, and I went to Ramah. Well, there are instructors at Karis that are from Ramah. Okay, And people say, well, we're done. The faith movement is over. Let me give you some information. There is no such thing as a faith movement. (laughs) If it's a movement, how do we know when it started and when will we know it ends? Last time I checked, John 3.16 still required faith. And as long as we're in this age of what I would call the church age or the age of grace, faith is necessary. And so, as long as we're in the church, and as long as we are uh, on this earth, discipline is required. But when we think of discipline, we don't think of torture chambers and abuse and things like that. We think of a personal trainer in a gym. And Paul uses those exact examples. We may not get to all those verses in the teaching, but if you go and read on your own, you'll see he uses it over and over. Paul loves sports. I mean, read his letters. He he talked about athletics. You know, athletics in that day was just... A, he didn't try and pick it and say, no more athletics. Athletics is of the devil. You know, you know what I mean? God, Paul actually didn't allow the culture to absorb his life, but knew enough about the culture to use it And pull spiritual principles together with application through what's around them. Jesus did the exact same thing. But you don't see Jesus using a lot of athletic type stuff. Some maybe. Mostly farming, fishing. You know, stuff like that. Why? Because that's who he was ministering to in in the Jewish people. Because he was specifically called to Jerusalem, to Israel. Right? Right? And to the Jewish people so that he could reveal himself as the Savior and introduce a new age. Because that's what he did. Um, And he accomplished what he was supposed to. So when we think of discipline, when we think of uh, God correcting us, we need to think in terms of... uh, Because sometimes people struggle because they had an abusive parent. Or a harsh parent or whatever. And so what we do which we have to be careful with, is we, in our natural thinking, in our natural way of doing things, we'll actually uh, analyze how we were raised. It's a part of us. And we say to ourselves, if it hurt us, I'm never going to be like that. And I want to say this as a believer, that is not enough information or motivation or substance to be able to do what was done wrong to you properly. Okay, let me me say it this way. I was hurt by somebody, so I'm never going to hurt somebody that way. That's not a healing ministry. That's a ministry founded on hurt. So in your greatest effort, even though your emotion knows it's wrong, your head, your heart knows how you were treated was wrong, and all of that, unless it can come from a place of, I was hurt, God healed me, I forgave them, God revealed to me how I'm supposed to do it, now I'm going to go minister to people in this area that have been hurt this way, it won't function like it should. It'll be natural wisdom. Does that make sense? So there has to be a, uh, and this, you say, how does discipline come in? Because discipline is what uh, is part of spiritual growth. And Pentecostals don't like discipline. No. I just want to be led, brother. And you know, I hit these things and I do it on purpose because I know myself, my own tendency. My own tendency is, on Mother's Day, when the Spirit of God moved like it did just naturally, I, I want to have that all the time. You can't live like that. I, got, I mean, I, I've heard of and, and have been involved in and still are in some situations, situations where we have people that came out of our own, out of the same camp Heidi and I did, and Bible College that have made their life a shipwreck, but they're declaring faith all the time. And it's because there's no discipline. You know, practical. You know, people say, "Why well, I, I believe in prosperity, but you spend all your money and rack up credit card debt." You, God is not Jehovah. You know, slacker. <laughs> I, I come up with names. I don't. I'm probably going to get in trouble one day. If I, <laughs> <clears throat> he is a disciplined God. Now. With, as Herb, Pastor Herb would say, for every mile of road, there's two mile of ditches, okay? And on the side of God's not undisciplined, neither is he a dictator. You can't make a mistake. If you don't have every little second of your life organized, you're going to fall apart. We have to stay in the middle. And it's a lot harder than you think. It's it's a big portion of the faith fight is staying in that middle ground. You know, people say, well, I'm a, you know, Brother Hagin used to say, my kids would come home and they'd see me studying and then through the night I'd be studying and then in the morning I'd be studying, you know, and he would talk about this and I'd think, oh man, how are we going to do this? But he would bring balance to it later because he'd say, look, you can do too much of that. You can get so involved in work and study that you forget that you have a family or that you, have, that you should, should take some time off. But the flip side of it is true. You could take so much time off that you won't have a family or a house because you won't have no money. People say, oh, no, sow and believe God. You can believe God and sow. that is one verse. But there's also a verse that says, he who doesn't work won't eat. Right? What is that? Discipline. That's don't skip leg day. <laughs> right? That's oh, Look at my upper body. Yeah, but you're riding a chicken. You <laughs> I can say that cuz I am. <laughs> leg day's the worst. You leave, and you're like, Jesus, help me up the stairs. (laughs) Discipline is important. And so we read in uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, One says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So you're gonna. There's gonna be attempts by the enemy, and by your flesh for weights and sins. You know, weights are could be something that aren't sins. Maybe you're involved in something that's just too much, and the Lord say, "No, you're, this isn't. This isn't a sin. This isn't uh, allowing the devil into your life. It's just too much of this thing. So we need to hone this down. You know, uh, if you, you know, athletes don't. Don't overindulge in potato chips and ice cream. (laughs) You know what I mean. So you have to watch that, right? So that's an area where you need some discipline. Um, Sins are what they are; they're sins. So what are sins? Not this isn't a condemnation thing. The Lord doesn't condemn you. He doesn't. You. You. I can't believe you. You're just. You know, this is how the devil will use scripture. You're just treading the blood of Jesus under. You don't care at all. This is, this is not the Holy Ghost conviction. This is the fake false spirit that comes and says, you you can't have any healing. You can't have any of this or that or the other, you know, because you're you just don't care about anything. But the truth is, your heart, you need to check your heart. Your heart's right. And sometimes we have things in our life, sometimes we don't even realize they're there. And that's where we we don't get panicky, but we're just in our fellowship with the Lord. Lord, is this right? Is this wrong? Or the Lord will check you. Boom. Don't do that. The Lord checked me about something this morning when I was doing, when I was reading, just my just reading time. And I, and the Lord checked me about something. And he said, You, you said this right here, Sean, but then you did this action. And he said, You slowed down the manifestation. Ah. Now watch. I could go, oh, oh. You know, no, no, I slowed it down. I didn't stop it. And the Lord didn't minister it to me like, you know, uppercut, black eye. You know what I mean? Break his nose. No, it was pick up that weight right there and do a few more reps. Strengthen yourself in this area. Or it was, you don't need to wear all that extra stuff. That you have put on. Take that off so you're a little freer to run here. So you need to think of that way in discipline. Okay, so verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There are are several things in here, and we already went through them, and I'm not going to go back over them, but there's several statements in there. When you're reading the word, you can break these verses into statements. So you you can easily say, he's what? He's the author and finisher. He's the pioneer and perfecter, is other translations. So in our relationship with others when we're running, don't look at the other runners. The only time you should be doing that is like Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. What is that? That's Paul giving you a hint. He may miss it. I know some people think Paul was the other Savior, but he's not. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. If God chose you, you could write two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul didn't write it because he was God. He was the chosen to do it. Amen. Now, nobody is writing any new books of the Bible anymore, so don't get that in your mind. We already have plenty of that going around. We don't need any more. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? So, so the Lord, the Lord uh, uh, empowered Paul to do what he did, but Paul understood his naturalness. Okay, so you'll hear people talk about two natures, and I'm not necessarily against that. You just need to be careful in understanding that that two natures don't exist in your spirit. The nature of God is the only thing in your spirit. God is not in your spirit. Jesus, the resurrection power of God is not in your spirit. And there's a devil in there going, hey, this is nice. You know, (laughs) well, let's hang out together. You know what I mean? No, there's no way. There's no way. But in your thinking and in your flesh, have you ever noticed your flesh can get you in trouble quick? Yep. Real quick. And, and it doesn't take much. It's just a suggestion from the enemy. And then the flesh will go, yeah, we should do that. And that's when you got to go, shut up, stupid. <laughs> Sit down. Okay? Now, you're not calling yourself stupid, but this needs redemption still. The natural part of us. I, I, You know, I'd like a glorified body right this instant. Let's go. Let's get out of here. You know, that would be nice. But it's part of what Paul talks about. It, that our vessels and the earth and our body, they're groaning. That's why when you got out of bed this morning, you went, oh, oh. <laughs> why? Because your body is trying to speak. It says, it's saying, redeem us, oh, my God. <laughs> it's what it's doing and that's not a sin right that's not a sin we what are you gonna do have you noticed that your body ages and you can't stop it i know we can quote my youth is renewed like the eagles all day long But Paul said the inward man is renewed and the outward man perisheth. Keep quoting it. Keep this thing running as long as it needs to. But when it's time, throw it off and get out of here and go on to heaven. Amen? Now when it's time, and I'm not prophesying to anybody, okay? (laughs) But we need to understand that. So the discipline that is required and continual in our lives is really for our thinking and for our physical body. Because your spirit's perfect. The actual fruit of development or maturity comes out onto the limbs, which includes the mind and it includes the physical body. You say, what do you mean? Well, physical healing in your body is a manifestation of the fruit of the resurrection in your natural being. Walking in love, if you put the... the in One translation actually says uh in the love scriptures that the love of god actually softens your expressions it changes your demeanor well what is that that's a outward witness putting on christ an outward out here fruit in the natural and in the soul realm of the resurrection of christ coming through you to someone or just as a part of who you are as your personality So it's a reality of the resurrection within you coming through to those around you. And that is part of discipline. We're going to get into this today uh, during the main service, but Scripture is clear. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the the flesh. Now, when you think about provision, what do you think of? Provision provide. Pre-prepare. In other words, you. when it comes to a believer, a believer should prepare to put on Christ. They should not prepare to put on anger and wrath and lust and all the, all the deeds of the flesh. You don't make provision for those things. You actually burn those things. You kill, you put to death. You say, put to death, Romans eight thirteen. All right, this is part of discipline. Let's go to Romans eight thirteen. 13. Oh, this isn't in the notes, but it'll be good. We have to do this daily. So Paul said this, therefore, brother, in verse 12, we are debtors not to the what? Flesh to live according to its desire. Does the flesh have a desire? Does it have... It has something that it, that it wants to imply you owe it. Because a debtor, right? We owe nothing to our flesh. But Paul goes on to say this. Now, this applies to earning your salvation, but it also applies to just carnality. Right? Chili con carne, right? Meathead. <laughs> Chili with meat, Right? My grandpa used to say, don't be a meathead. He was being very biblical. (laughs) You're a meathead. Stop being a meathead. All right. Thank you, Grandpa. I will. (laughs) His came with physical discipline as well, so it was great. All right. So, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, watch. That does not say go to hell, does it? Now, I will say this. I believe in extreme, extreme cases. You can allow your flesh to actually lead you back to hell. Because it's its nature. I'm talking about extreme cases. But you better and I better be very careful about deciding who's going to heaven or hell. And by very careful, I mean leave it alone. Don't touch it. Just leave it alone. Well, they claim they're a Christian. I've met some really addicted drug addicts that claim they were Christians, and I believed them. But I also know that they just let their flesh and the world system dominate them. You can actually lock up within you the power of God through wrong thinking and out-of-control bodies. This is why discipline is important, right? So he says this, but if by the what? Spirit. Do you see that? But if by the Spirit you what? Put to the deeds of the body, you will live. That doesn't mean you'll go to heaven. How many know that the world can discipline their body? Religion can discipline its body. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about I'm going to yield to the flesh and open the door to the devil and allow death in my life. Or I'm going to yield to the Holy Ghost, put to death the deeds of the body, and allow resurrection graces to manifest in my thinking soul and my body. you see that? This is why the understanding of spirit, soul, and body is so important. We've got it all. Many believers have it all confused. They think they are what they feel. You're giving what you feel a precedence over God. That means, that requires then what? Discipline in our lives from the Lord to renew our mind and to control our physical body. Now, I love this verse. Let's look at it again, the second half. But if by the what? Spirit. Which means what? You are actually empowered to dominate your flesh just as Jesus did. Now watch. Stop real quick here. That doesn't mean you're Jesus. So don't get under a leaping pile, a huge pile of condemnation when you make a mistake. If you could save yourself, no need for Jesus to come. Don't use that as an excuse to be carnal. Come on, one mile of truth, two miles of ditches. And you say, how do? You, how come you think this way? Because... I, I get not, I get so, I have to know why. So I actually, in my prayers, I'll get vehement about it. Like, God, people are coming to me. I hear preachers saying this, and then I hear preachers saying that, and they're both using scripture. Lord, where is the balance? Because there has to be balance. I had a gentleman, <laughs> you're so mad at me. I love it. I love what Andrew Womack says. I've been criticized by way more important people than you. (laughs) People think that's not love, but it is. Because I I don't want this person's demise. But they were trying to tell me who was going to heaven and hell. And they would try to use scripture because we're to judge the church. You know, Paul said, judge the church. Guys... It, these scriptures, they have to be taken back to the scriptures, and they have to really be allow the Spirit of God to minister to us about what that is actually being said from the motivation of the resurrection in the context of what's being said. This is why I don't we don't live on Holy Ghost meetings in this church. There is no way. I have heard every kind of weird thing come out of a Holy Ghost meeting, and I've heard a ton of good stuff, mostly good stuff. But if you don't have teaching, you're in trouble. We'll, we, we would be in trouble. You can get just goofy, you know? And you're going to have goofy. But when we take things back to the Word, we all can look at ourselves and go, okay, let's correct ourselves in this area. So I had this gentleman tell me this. He was, he was telling me, he was deciding who goes to heaven or hell based on uh, how carnal or not they were. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, so... What if you sin and die right after? The other side of it is people say, I'm under grace. I can do whatever I want. And Paul said, God forbid. It's you have to think about these things. Because the enemy is so good at confusing and I'm not trying to give him an award, but he's got it for being the author of confusion, right? He's got the, he's got the title to that, the, the reigning title. And so the Word of God and the discipline of the Lord and the Scriptures is what keeps us in balance. It's what keeps us where we need to be. We have the Spirit of God within us to dominate our flesh. We have the Spirit of God within us to keep us balanced. We have the Spirit of God within us who is continually uh, working in uh, by the Holy Spirit in positive conv- conviction. I'll say it that way. You say, what do you mean by positive conviction? Simply this, it is conviction that is leading you to life. It's training and instruction and grace and empowerment That is leading you into greater and greater levels of freedom in the spirit. Go to 2 Corinthians. I read this this morning too. Um, Lord help me, where is that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, oh verse 16 it says this therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh that includes yourself <laughs> do you like that it's good isn't it even though we have known Christ according to the flesh look at this verse, end, end of verse 16 yet now we what Know him thus no longer. How do you know him then? By the Spirit. Think about this. Paul, who didn't walk with Jesus, knew him better, knew him well enough to rebuke Peter. I mean, you think about that. And to to show Peter where he was off. And yet Peter walked with Jesus in the flesh. So the Spirit of God within us is a discipliner in the sense of positive training. What what does a trainer do? A trainer trains a person not to injure them, but actually to prevent injury in the athletic event. What does the Holy Spirit do? He trains us so that we don't get injured. Come on, he leads and guides us. He directs us so that we don't get injured in the process of living and walking by faith in a world where the the enemy has set it up for our death and destruction. Now, God didn't set it up that way, but when you let the devil in, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of the darkness, when when he's the prince, he's the prince of the earth, he has this thing set up for death. Stealing, killing, and destroying are in operation. Okay? So we need to be aware of that. So we need discipline. So verse 3, for consider him who endured, this is Hebrews twelve three, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary. How many have ever felt weary? Why is this verse in the Bible? Because you're going to feel weary, right? That's why people say, oh, I just, I, you know, they get into, I feel tired. And then they talk about that all the time. And then they reinforce tiredness. Now there's a balance here, right? You could push yourself too hard. Like people, especially in our culture, you know, years ago when we didn't have cell phones and things like that, you went to bed when the when the sun went down. And you go yeah. Suzanne said that. I still do. Good for you. I like your lifestyle. Okay, so, but they used to go to, and they couldn't, they didn't, they couldn't just flip on a light in every room. They had a lantern that they had to, and you couldn't, I'm sure they weren't just, I'm sure in those days it was like, you know, I tell Ian, turn your light off. You know, in those days it was like, you're, do you think money grows on trees, kid? You know, that oil costs, you know, blow that thing out. Now, Now it's, you know. It's a light switch, but, but the, the idea here is, is that even if you weren't tired, if the sun went down at seven, especially in the winter, if it went down, if it was darker earlier, what are you going to do? You can't turn the TV on. So, what would they do? They would rest and meditate. You know, when David talks about meditating upon his bed, and, and allowing the Spirit of God to minister to him. He might have been in bed from 7 till 10 but didn't fall asleep till 10 because he really didn't need that much sleep per se, but there was nothing else to do. And everything shut down because it's dark, but you meditate for three hours and fellowship with the Lord before you go to bed. I wonder what you'll feel like when you wake up rather than just watching Blue Bloods. Or when calls the heart. <laughs> so we're to consider Jesus and what he went through lest we become weary and faint and discouraged in our souls. In other words, are you really going anything through anything worse than he did? Being weary carries the, carries the idea of a bowstring not being tight. Have you ever seen a bow, bow and arrow? And the bowstring, if it's not tight, how far does your arrow go? <laughs> right? <laughs> just down. Discouraged is the opposite of courage. Break it down, right? How many times in Scripture did God tell someone to be of good courage? These are things I look for. I'm reading through and I'm going... Like, I was just reading through uh, 2 Corinthians this morning... And, I, and I'm reading through and reading through, and I see how many times Paul says, don't be weary, or be strong in faith, or don't be discouraged. It's just, it's there everywhere. Because our, our world is built around discouragement. Discouragement comes from and leads to a losing mentality. While courage, on the other hand, leads to and strengthens a winning with God mentality. Not just a winning mentality. A winning with God. People will do this. I watch this happen. I'll have believers come talk to me about how their, you know, their favorite sports player is so and so, and they talk about their disciplined life and how. But there's no God in their life at all. Why in the world would I follow that? It's all about that person and how how wealthy they are and their rings and their necklaces and their. You know, I told you about that rapper guy with all the with the skittles haircut, hair color. I should say, Skittles really isn't a haircut. That doesn't make sense. But hair color. And he was walking through his house in this live video, and he had this big, like, it looked like a bike chain. You know, like you'd hook up your bike and lock it so nobody could. And it had all these watches. Each one of these watches, you could buy a house with how much they were. Well, maybe not now, but you could (laughs) with a couple of them. You could buy a nice house. Each watch. And then he had this fancy, car and he opened the um what did you call it it was a the hood is not or the trunk is not in the back it's in the front a frunk yeah (laughs) and he opened that up it's true that's the word it's a weird word but it makes sense so he opened up the front and he has all this cash in there i mean just hundreds of thousands of dollars Like, each chunk that he brought out, I think, was 25,000. And he was counting them, you know. And he's got this stuff all over his teeth. Uh, Yeah, what is it? Grill. The only grill I've ever had is on the front of my vehicle. Yeah, you are in my backyard. Yeah, I do barbecue. Yeah, I have that grill, too. (laughs) And And I'm thinking... And people say, Yeah, look at that. Believers will look at some of that stuff and they'll think, Look at how much discipline they have and where they've gotten. That's so godly. It's not godly, it's ungodly. This is a person that doesn't honor, respect authority, doesn't honor, respect women, doesn't honor. Why would I follow that? Why would I look unto that as an example to follow? It's demonic. That person needs to repent and give their heart to the Lord. And God is not against any of the money or any of that stuff. It's the character and nature within the being of the person. That's why I'm always amused by Hollywood and politicians that have supposed fundraisers and do good things for people. Talking about saving a monkey while they kill a baby. That stuff just inside, there's this righteous anger that rises within me. And I don't think we should save the baby and kill the monkey either. I mean, for no reason, you know what I mean? Now, if the monkey's got a disease, got to get rid of that thing, you know? But humans are way more important. Come on. Who are we looking at? What are we looking at as our example And in the process of that, as we're coming against opposition in our faith race, as we're running a disciplined race, are we considering not only his faith and his finishing power, but also the fact that he had to go through all these difficult things. And so we don't get down and discouraged because we're in difficult situations. We rise up with him and go, Lord, you got Jesus through. You'll get me through. I will rise up in the midst of this, not because I'm amazing, not because I have all the answers, not because I've studied nine million books on how to do it and, and followed the world's system on knowledge, but I just follow the author and the finisher of my faith. I just consider what he went through, and his faith got him out of hell, so my faith can get me out of hell with his grace backing me. Right? Ooh, I gotta hurry. Okay. Other translations say, yes, just think of the example set by Jesus and the way he bore the bitter enmity of sinful men against him. It will help you not to grow weary and faint hearted. You won't get tired and give up. Bobby Andian's commentary on this verse reads Considering Jesus amplifies what Paul means by looking, he does not mean a casual, occasional look at what the Bible says about jesus consider is from the greek word and i'm not going to pronounce it which carries with it the idea of careful and consistent study and meditation paul wants these hebrew believers to dig deep into jesus endurance by considering what and how he had endured and what did jesus endure such hostility from sinners This is not just talking about the brutal cruelty Jesus endured on the cross, but also the opposition he endured for his entire ministry. No matter what you're called to in this life, whether it be a ministry in the church or a ministry in the secular world, you're going to have opposition from the world. And from the enemy. The enemy does not go, okay, go ahead, have a healthy church, have, have revival, have a move of God. Yeah, I don't care. I, I don't care about this portion of the world. I'm gonna go over and mess with the Africans forever. No, that's not what the that's not what the devil does. The moment you step out in faith, the moment you get out on the water, he says, wind waves, wind waves, and he tries to get us distracted. Not only did the religious leaders mock, question, and criticize, they actively planned to kill Jesus. You say, oh, that would never happen today in America. Happening right now. Happening right now. Same devil, different generation of people. And really, people are about the same, too. The Hebrew believers had also been through tremendous persecution and pressures. And we're facing more hostility. Those without the right focus were becoming fatigued, mentally exhausted, despondent. Something that still happens to Christians, especially those in the ministry. You know how many people, Heidi sometimes says, you know how many people are quitting pastor? And I'm like, well, I guess our church will be bigger because we're not quitting. I'm not, there is no other option. I don't have a plan B. There's only one plan. There is no other plan. (laughs) Fainting takes place in our minds. Controlling our thinking controls our endurance. Isn't that interesting? Anyone who is weary and prone to fainting has already been thinking wrong. It's not what happens to us on the outside that causes these reactions. It's how we think about what happens to us that causes us to succeed or fail. Because you're guaranteed problems. Look at Jesus. He suffered more... You know, people will say this to me, and you you need to actually quit saying it. But people have said... They say, I just wish these problems would go away. You're telling the devil it's working. You have no scripture... To stand on that says, I wish these problems would go away. Now you have all authority to drive at problems in faith and remove them. In your life. You're not going to control the price of gas. I don't, you know, people say, I read some article today and I got to stop. But I read some art. Is there a meeting today? For, no, no meeting today? Okay. I read this article, and it said, uh, the title said, um, shortages in fuel uh, will raise gas prices to, I think one place said like $10 a gallon. There is no shortage. Uh, To quote a famous preacher, your mama. There is no shortage of anything on this planet. You think God created the planet, gave it a spin, and went, well, I hope they don't run out. (laughs) How foolish. We have more fuel in this nation than oil. And and the news media, they're such liars. They're just fork-tongued, full of darkness, demons from hell. They don't have to be that way. People say, oh, don't, that's not grace. Yes, it is. I learned it from Jesus. Especially those that have sold themselves completely over to that thinking. Jesus looked at religious people and he said, you travel over land and sea and get one convert. And he said, you make them twice the son of hell that you are. I bet that just, ble- just blessed the Pharisees. They're like, well, that's not grace, Jesus. You're not gracing us. He said, you're a bunch of, of white sepulchers to, full of dead men's bones. And then I call it fork-tongued, the Lord. You're serpents. And my favorite, you're of your father, the devil. Can you imagine? Oh, I know you have to the spirit, Lord, but if we could go back and I could stand there and watch that. That'd be great. But why was he doing it? For their salvation. Most of the time, that's not necessary. He suffered more rejection and more unjustly than any of us ever will have to. And yet, he didn't just survive, he thrived. He extended forgiveness to the very ones crucifying him. If he could do that, we can do it too. If we follow the instructions of these verses, we can't can't be focused on the pain, but rather the promise on the other side of the pain. If we look to the prize to be obtained instead of the race to be run, we will be able to endure just as Jesus was able. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.